cool. No, we should look it up. We no. are a movie podcast. <laughs> are we though? We just talk shit and drink. <laughs> and there just happens to be horror in it. Welcome back to the Shaken Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 1984 film Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I'm doing better. I got my booster on Thursday. I react so bad to them. The last time I got it, it hit me around like 11 o'clock at night too. I'm at Pfizer 2, Vivi 1, because the first dose didn't kill me, but the last two did. Yesterday was the worst day for you. Yeah, it was like a day and a night. We were supposed to record yesterday, but I was hopped up on painkillers, so. With alcohol and your painkillers, you could turn your blood into acid for your kidneys. Not a good idea. Maybe then I wouldn't react so bad to vaccines. My <laughs> blood was acid. How are you? I'm doing good. Excited for this weekend. It's going to be C2E2 if you're familiar. It's the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. This year we're going to go as press, which is fun. There's a lot of panels. I saw that Creep Street's going to be there, so I'm going to try to go to theirs. Ghostly Podcast is going to be there with Chicago Urban Legends. Mortal Kombat is also going to have like a behind the scenes thing. Also wanted to shout out the AJ Chat Podcast. I was listening to some of their recent episodes and they cover tv film pop culture i like their episodes from october that were covering underrated horror movies so go check them out yeah for sure we'll probably link them in the show notes i can't add commentary because i haven't checked them out yet she has a very radio voice it was soothing her voice nice in a non-romantic way sure sure (laughs) what creepy content do you have this week not a ton we kind of accidentally saw the new resident evil film accidentally accidentally because that was not what we were going to see but i think i'm gonna let eric talk about it because he knows way more about this than I do. <laughs> about Resident Evil? Yeah. Oh, well, we had just played the game, the first one, which is funny because, spoiler, spoiler alert, it's something that was made for the fans. I don't think that if you're a movie critic, you'll absolutely love it. It's cheesy. Claire Redfield's in there, Chris Redfield, Leon Kennedy. When I saw Leon on there, he's my favorite just because Resident Evil 4 is the first Resident Evil game I ever played. Derry from Letterkenny was in it. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. For like a brief minute. He doesn't even say anything. He just dies. If I hadn't watched him play the game a week earlier, I would have been so lost and probably not found this movie as enjoyable so this is probably for someone who's definitely played the games. Yeah, again, that was Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Let's talk about comfort content. So I was pretty sick like I said. Eric decided that I needed ramen when he was right (laughs) so we just vegged out yesterday watching Naruto and eating ramen. Some ramen and some of those fish ice cream bars. Oh yeah, those are so good. I love them. And some Thai tea. So it was more of a like comfort in the you're sick and you want to stay home sense. I bought stacks of them so we're going to be eating ramen for a couple days. It's kind of why we avoid buying it so much. Otherwise, we'd live off it. I'm glad I waited for it to be meaningful when you were sick. Are you ready to hear about some of this Mogwai blood? Sure thing. Just an FYI, Eric did a lot of the heavy lifting for this episode today. He's doing the drink, the fun facts, and the speed run because, again, I was out of commission. <laughs> so the Mogwai blood includes rum chata, half and half, peppermint schnapps, and creme de menthe. Schnapps. So do you want to give it a shot? It's green. It's milky green. That's why it's Mogwai blood. I smell the mint already. Damn, that tastes like a straight candy cane. Very Christmassy. I am surprised by how much I like this because once you get the minty flavor, you get all the other creamy flavors like the rum chata and the heavy cream. I like this a lot. I'm going to give it a 4.5. I'm going to give it a 5. It'll make your breath smell good too. That's true. Loki was sniffing your breath right before this and he was like, go drink that drink, mom. Yeah, again. 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 Sick. I smell like a sick person. No, you smelled like pasta and grapes. Which is, I guess, not the worst thing you could smell like when you're sick. Drink some of this Mogwai blood. Are you ready for fun facts? Yeah. Writer Chris Columbus got the idea for the Gremlins after being harassed by mice in Manhattan while in film school at NYU saying that they weren't so bad during the day, but that it 
was very creepy at night in the dark. I would be really grossed out, especially if they're like overriding your apartment at night. Is this the same Chris <laughs> Columbus that directed the first Harry Potter? I don't know. Yeah, it is the same one. Is it really? Yeah, he directed the first three. Oh, that's cool. Well, I didn't know that. Phoebe Cates, who plays Kate, was almost replaced after having gone topless for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You've seen that? I have not seen that, but I have seen that iconic scene referenced in like a lot of pop culture shows. So this is ironic given that the film isn't even necessarily kid-friendly. It's not. The film partially is responsible for creating the PG-13 rating after Steven Spielberg met with the MPAA to create a rating between PG and R after Grillman's and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom were criticized for not being kid-friendly. Isn't that weird? That there was only PG or R and there's no You are either a kid or an adult. I think the whole rating movie system is weird anyways. We keep talking about these movies and how, oh, well, it was on the edge of being rated Controversial. R. Controversial. There's so many more horrible things today that are still PG-13. Maybe there's people who are growing up, going into the MPA and being like, you know what, guys, like, we're pretty prudish. I've also seen a lot of films lately that are just released unrated. What's the rule around that? I guess you don't get, like, a theater release. Streaming has opened it up where you can release your work without having to go through that system. How family-friendly they wanted this film to be is confusing, given that they toned down the gore just a little bit by removing some scenes, including Billy's mom getting decapitated oh, fuck. and his dog being eaten. I am stunned into silence because that doesn't feel like the vibe of the movie. They also wanted to get rid of the scene where Kate talks about her dad's death because execs weren't sure if it was supposed to be sad or funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought the timing of her talking about it was weird. But I don't get the funny part. Like, it's, it's, the vibe itself of that scene is not, oh, a lot of funny stuff has happened. And then suddenly Kate's like, my dad's dead. She, I guess it's the way that he died and how dramatically it's told. But it's still not funny. If people were confused on whether it was sad or funny, Columbus thought, well, that resonates with the vibe of the film as a whole. Yeah, I actually, growing up, knew of The Gremlins but didn't watch it until a couple years ago. Thought it was just a funny Christmas movie. I didn't know it was considered horror until we watched it. I was going to ask you if when you first saw this, would you have classified it as horror? No, I'd consider it like Disney Channel Halloween movies. That being said, are you ready to do a speed run? No. One, two, three. So it starts off with this guy who's uh, apparently trying to get a present for his son. He's like an inventor. He goes around pitching his dumbass ideas to everybody. He goes to the store. A kid takes him downstairs. It's like an artifact shop um, in Chinatown, they say. And he finds this little being in a box and is really intrigued by him. And it's Gizmo, who we find out is a magwai. He, The kid gives him the box in secret. And the dad takes it, goes to his kid's house in this place, small town. Same small town from... Uh, Future, uh, Futurama. Uh, whatever. I'll say it later. <laughs> but he goes there. He gives it to his kid. He's like, there's three rules. Don't wet them. Don't feed them after midnight. And they hate sunlight. So he does this. The whole movie is basically them going uh, in chaos mode because they forget all the rules. They spread out throughout the town. They cause chaos. Murder or don't murder a bunch of people. At the end, they end up killing the last one, which his name is Stripe. And... Gizmo is happy, gets taken by that man because he finds out that they stole him. I feel like you really cut yourself short. You had five <laughs> seconds left. I was worried. You were I like, spent too much detail on things that didn't matter. Yeah, you were really detailed at the beginning. You skipped the middle and went straight for the end. Yeah, hey, I said there was chaos and they spread them. They spread them. They spread them. <laughs> I mean, technically you made it. No shots for us today. Do you have a brief overview? The gadget salesman is looking for a special gift for his son and finds one at a store in Chinatown. The shopkeeper is reluctant to sell him the mogwai, but sells it to him with a warning to never expose him to bright lights, water, or feed him after midnight. All of this happens and the result is a gang of gremlins that decides to tear up the town on Christmas Eve. The shopkeeper does not sell him. No, his son Magui, sneaks him. His grandson or something. Also, that's a like weird transition. All of this happens 
<laughs> That's what I said. It really is. Did you write this? It has actually got a pretty decent rating on IMDb. What is it, an 8? It's 7.3. Oh, for nice. horror, that's pretty high. Well, for horror? Quote, unquote. I heard that this movie was supposed to be slated for like Christmas time, but because they didn't have a movie slated for the summer, they released it in the summer, and it still did really good. Interesting. I wonder how much better it would have done at Christmas. Who knows? They're like, you know what I want to do on the holidays? I want to go see gremlins kill people in a small town. Love the holidays. <laughs> Let's go watch people get murdered. It's kind of what we said about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Are you ready to dive into this? I am. Yeah. Eric really likes this movie. I do. I don't know that I like watching it though like it's good i like it in theory <laughs> well it's good but it's just so long it's an hour and 49 minutes i don't know if this is a testament to us being millennials people like to make fun of us because we can't stick around things for too long but honestly this one could get rid of a lot of scenes and still be fine like the dad they spend so much time maybe they had to pay that actor and give him a certain amount of scenes to make it worth him being on because jesus like just get rid of them they're boring his inventions aren't even good i think it'd be more interesting if his inventions work right that's true his inventions are used against the gremlins that'd have been cool they kind of are i mean but because it's they something suck. that <laughs> you could have done with a regular blender. Okay, so we open on Ryan Peltzer, who is basically our narrator for this film. And right off the bat, you get a very Christmas story type narration saying that he is in Chinatown looking for a present for his son. He follows a young boy into a shop because his grandfather is the owner. And he tries to pitch his grandfather on one of his inventions. And like you said, this film spends a lot of time on this dad's inventions. And you're kind of just like, okay, we get it. You're a salesman. You're introduced to him and his inventions just suck right off the bat. Like this bathroom so buddy bulky. has a mirror, toothbrush, and the toothpaste blasts at his shirt. And he's like, don't worry about that. The one that I sell you is going to work. And it's like, that wouldn't really make me want to buy it from you, bud. But the whole time he is giving his sales pitch, we hear singing and little noises coming from the back of the shop. I love the singing so much. It's very cute. Finally, intrigued enough, Randall goes to see what's causing that noise. That's where we first see the Mogwai. I wonder why this film is not called Mogwai's. I think American audiences wouldn't have seen a movie titled Mogwai's. No, it could have been called Goblins for all Americans care. Yeah. He sees this little Mogwai, Gizmo. He's like, I have to have him. Give him to me for a hundred bucks. And the guy's like, it's not for sale. Two hundred bucks, take it or leave it. And he's like, I told you it's not for sale. The grandson notices that his grandpa doesn't want to sell him this. We assume because of what he tells Mr. Peltzer later, he needs the money. So he sneaks Gizmo out to the dad. Kind of sad. What I think is funny about this film is how people don't ask questions. It isn't until drunk cops later are like, what the fuck are you even talking about, Billy? They're asking real questions. So you mean to tell me that this little monster that you've never even heard of and isn't like an animal that we know about, if you wet it, it multiplies. If you feed it after midnight, it turns into a monster. If it gets in the sunlight, it burns. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Sounds insane. Kind of. Billy does take the Mogwais to get tested by the professor. Not until after he gets multiplied. No one's asking Not questions Not until it's here. clear that they're like mythical creatures. <laughs> well, the internet was the thing at this point, too. He could have looked up what's a Mogwai. 84? No. Internet? Early no. internet. No. no. Okay. So 84 giant whole room computers, okay, I think. Okay, maybe not the internet. Encyclopedia. Ancarta Encyclopedia. Do you remember that? <laughs> Is that still an internet thing? No, Ancarta Encyclopedia was like the Those books. Those volumes that you would buy and keep in your house? Actually, it might not even be that. I think it was computer too. But I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before the internet, the pre-pre-internet. The paper internet. Okay? Internet. <laughs> you could have gone on there and looked up Mogwai. I'm just saying, questions are not being asked that need to be asked. <laughs> when are questions ever asked in horror movies? Before Ran goes off with the Mogwai, I don't think we ever get a name for the grandson of the shopkeeper. No. He basically tells them that there are three very important rules. He mentions no sunlight. If the Mogwai is exposed to sunlight, it will die. Don't get him wet. He does not drink water, which is a red flag. What living creature does not drink water? And never feed him after midnight. This is the most important rule. 
We're introduced to this town. Fun fact, this town was the same set that was used in Back to the Future. If some people think that oh. this town looks familiar, that's why. I've never seen Back to the Future. Oh, no? You haven't seen the guy, guy traveling back in time having a crush on his mother? Yeah, I've heard that enough to make me not want to watch the movie. Rick and Morty from the 80s? Seriously. So yeah, we're introduced to this town. Billy is the main character. His car's not working. He's there with his dog, Barney. The neighbor, who we later refer to as Murray, is telling him his car's not working because it's foreign. He's like, nothing's built like American muscle and he shows him his tractor and this man drives a tractor around. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't even look like farm area. So I don't know what he's driving I think his he's tractor. plowing snow. Oh, is he? Okay. That's a little too much, sir. To have. A bit much. <laughs> we also find out that Billy works at the bank. He brings his dog with him. I thought this was funny. It's like he was the first ever emotional support dog. Yeah. Is it implied that the rest of them didn't know that he had him even though he literally just puts him under the desk? I think they know. They just mind their business like good co-workers. We're also introduced to his co-worker Kate. Love interest. Miss Deagle is coming in from across the street carrying a snowman head. Walks in is the biggest bitch ever. She's like the Mr. Scrooge of this movie. Everyone's like Merry Christmas and she's like fuck you. Very Wicked Witch of the West vibes. Like I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. There's a lady actually in the beginning. This lady didn't even play a role. She walks up to Miss Deagle with her two kids and is like hey can you tell your husband to like delay the rent a couple weeks because I just lost my job. This town seems to be going to crap. Deagle's like now you know what to ask Santa Claus on Christmas. I was like damn bitch like chill. Yeah no this is what I mean. Okay. For the first hour of this movie, you get very similar vibes to a classic Christmas story. And in the last 46 minutes is when it flips and it's a creature feature, I would say. This whole entire hour we spent like meeting everyone in the town, how the town functions. And she very much plays that classic role of the rich like you said, Mr. Scrooge, character in the town, just straight up ruthless to freaking kids. Yeah. She goes in there and starts to fantasize about how she's going to murder Billy's dog. She says the reason she's carrying the snowman's head is that the dog broke her snowman. She's telling him, I'm going to take him to the pound. They're going to give him a long, slow death. And this guy who's standing next to him, I asked you, like, who is this guy? Was she in there with him? You were like, no, he's just a guy that was at the teller with Billy. And the guy's like, yeah, no, yeah, that would do it. Can you not be the hype man for the murder of my dog that's here? Seriously. <laughs> I don't understand people who, like hate animals this much especially later when you find out that she has a million cats i don't Ridiculous. know as she's talking shit barney's like fuck you i'm gonna get you he decides to fight for his life jumping over the desk and just growling and attacking her it is very clearly not a vicious dog but i get how it could be scary to an older lady afterwards she's like i have a weak heart she's just an asshole talking about how you have a weak heart but you still walked across town with this snowman head <laughs> just to go talk shit at the bank that's true we get the owner of the bank and a character that we meet gerald breaking up the fight that has broken out between Barney and Mrs. Deagle. Later on, Billy, trying to blow off some steam, goes to the bar and starts drawing a caricature of Miss Deagle being an evil dragon. Kate seems to care a lot about this town and community. She says she's working there literally just to help out the owners. She's doing it for free around the holidays. Gerald's there as well, telling him that he almost got fired for what happened with Barney. He's this weird character that pretends like he cares what happens to you, like but doesn't. Like that good guy that's just no they're really an asshole yeah because he goes in the humbly brag about how he's the junior vp there now and he's 23 old as hell looking he looks like he's 75 <laughs> as soon 
enough, I'll be VP and I'll be 25. What are you doing? He kind of says something weird. Billy is supporting his entire family financially. Yeah. Makes fun of him for it. That's such a weird thing. It's such a weird thing to say. Like, mind your business. Like, he's basically telling Billy to cut ties with his parents and just look out for number one. Weird. Where does this come from? It goes nowhere in the movie. He hits on Kate. He's like, I got a new apartment. I got cable TV. And I was like, damn. He's inviting her for the 80s version of Netflix and chill. He really is. (laughs) (laughs) Gerald's never a character that we see ever again. Billy heads home and we see his mom for the first time in a kitchen full of the gadgets that Billy's dad has created. Some of the gadgets that this dad had, like this bathroom buddy, cool. Yeah, it has a mirror. It's got a bunch of stuff that could be useful. It's like a multi-tool. But this like crack your egg machine. Why do I need a machine that cracks my egg when I can grab the egg, turn to a table, already invented corner of the table, hit the (laughs) egg on it, and then make what I'm trying to make? He had this machine that just would smash them. It's a gag throughout the rest of the movie of his little inventions that work once but then don't work again. However, he did have like the first prototype of like a Keurig. Sludge Keurig. A sludgy Keurig. Randall arrives home. They have this funny bit where one of their display swords falls off the wall every time someone opens the door. Because, you know, nothing's as fancy like sword decor. It comes in handy later, though. and we'll get It really there. does. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit for a reason. This is where we get the scene where Randall gives Billy a gift. It's completely wrapped and making a little bit of noise. I thought this was weird that it was completely wrapped like the Mogwai doesn't need to breathe. Maybe he poked holes in it. The dad does say, you probably should open it today. Can't wait till Christmas. The whole family goes to the living room. They open it. And little Gizmo with his big old eyes and big old ears peeks out. The dad's like, yeah, I don't know. I think his name is Gizmo. And it's funny that Gizmo kind of talks. He knows. English to some extent. Yes, he, he like does. says Mogwai. He says certain Light. words. He yeah. can sing. The mom tries to go take a picture of the new family pet, and as she does, Gizmo completely freaks out. And this is when the dad decides it's an important time to reiterate the rules. The next scene we get is Billy and Gizmo getting to know each other. They are upstairs in Billy's room playing the piano, and the Mogwai sings. I think my favorite thing is that he watches TV. <laughs> yeah, he watches a lot of those old school movies. I wondered if this was again playing on those like classic. Christmas movies. I'm thinking A Christmas Story. They have those old classic black and white films on the TV. Or maybe in the 80s, all you watched was old reruns on TV because you didn't have DVDs and stuff. And Netflix. Or streaming. <laughs> Pete, the little kid, it seems like he's a neighbor who helps him out. Comes over. Billy immediately is like, hey, do you want to meet my new little thing? And he's like, what is he? And he's like, oh, he's a mogwai. Pete accidentally spills water on him. And we get these little fur balls that bubble and shoot up off of Gizmo. This is why we realize they can't get wet. Gizmo because they like multiply. Screaming in pain. It looks so, so sad. sad. Yeah. Gizmo is the cutest thing ever. If this premise were true, I feel like the planet would be overtaken by these things. The like, planet's immediately. Literally 70 percent water. water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when Pete drops the water on him, they're like, what was in that? And he's like, oh, well, it's just water. But Billy, knowing water shouldn't be dropped on them, isn't reacting the way he should. He's kind of like, what? It's just water. It's like, but do you know water is bad? So why it's are you so It's one of the okay? rules, Billy. These hairballs land and they're kind of gross. And they're a little more spicy. They're doing their own thing. One of them specifically has a stripe on his head. Fun fact, the whole idea of stripe was originally supposed to be geared towards Gizmo, where Gizmo was going to be stripe. Villain. But because audiences would appreciate more screen time for just regular Gizmo, yeah, they turned really them cute. into two separate characters. That makes sense. I don't think it would have gone over as well if Gizmo ended up being the bad guy. But in turn, he becomes sort of the victim of the gremlins for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Gizmo and Barney. Barney is totally over it. 
one of the next scenes we get is Barney being tied up outside with Christmas lights. And they weren't even gremlins yet. No, they were still cute and fluffy, but they're, like I said, a little more spicy. Yeah, they spit on Gizmo and Barney. Shouldn't part of Gizmo and his personality be in the offspring? You're thinking it took Gizmo's, like, more troublesome side. Yeah. Stripe seems specifically, at least, to have something against Gizmo. He's like, Gizmo Gaga. Just hates <laughs> Gizmo so much. Is there still a relation between the two once they multiply? Gizmo seems just so pure and nice. And sweet. Yeah. And we'll see a very specific example of that in the Feeding After Midnight scene. Because he's like a self-disciplined mogwai. He's like, oh, no, no. I don't eat after 8 p.m. (laughs) I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. After they multiply, he goes to tell his dad, like, hey, they multiply when you wet them. And the dad says that they could be a new pet and replace the dog in every American home. I think Billy's dad's a straight-up narcissist because he does not care. Like, his son comes in to talk to him, and he's just telling him how he fixed his bathroom buddy. Then he tells him what's going on, and all he's thinking about is how can I sell this and make a profit from it. And he's just not involved in this kid's life. I don't know. Fuck the dad. He just said that Gizmo's going to replace the dogs. Why can't they live together? If anything, this whole film is get a dog instead. Right. Even though you said Billy doesn't ask questions, I think he does because at this point he decides to take one of the Mogwai over to one of the teachers in the town, Mr. Hansen. Then he demonstrates how these little creatures multiply, asking him to figure out what they are, why they do this. This is a lot to ask from an elementary school teacher. (laughs) I mean, if he's like the only educational presence in the town. Again, you're not sure if he's like a college professor, but like... He's a science teacher specifically. Maybe he knows something. He says he's going to run tests. I don't know if he would actually run any significant tests in this small town, but he tries. Who knows? Billy decides to leave the Mogwai there for studies and ends up going to meet Kate at the bar. We find out that Kate is hanging out with a neighbor, Murray. He's drunk. He gets in his truck. He's like, there could be gremlins in here. And they're like, what are you talking about? Back in World War II, the big WWII, they would put them in our planes. They would put them in our cars. They would put them in our gadgets. They were meant to destroy our technology. They say they're still shipping them over. I don't know. They might be in our stuff still. They tell Mr. Murray, like, yo, you're drunk. Go home. And don't drive. You should walk. Yeah, I thought they were going to let him drive. I was like, whoa. Billy and Kate walk home. They just talk about Christmas, and she explains that she's never celebrated it for a reason that she doesn't explain at this point. At this moment. She's very dark with it. She's like, I don't understand why if you don't celebrate Christmas, people automatically assume that you're depressed. Absolutely fair point. But then also, she does have a tragic backstory for it. She can't be like, oh, say you hate Christmas and everyone thinks something negative. And then she's like, it's something negative. (laughs) But she does say this line that I thought was like, whoa, tone it down a little bit, Kate. This is a casual conversation. She's like, while some people are opening presents, others are opening up their wrist. She says it so like blase, like, ma'am, we're just walking home. And then he asks, can we go on a date? The perfect transition. (laughs) I was going to say this scene is kind of cute because I don't think people ask each other on dates like this anymore. No. It's not a thing anymore. I mean, you do it through DMs. Yeah. And it's not even uh, do you want to go on a date? It's like you're trying to hang out. It's you get back from college, walk in on your boyfriend passing a phone over to a girl, <laughs> and <laughs> and then the internet goes wild. And then you have to make more TikToks explaining how what happened. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, dating's <laughs> very different now. So we kind of get this next scene undercut with scenes of Mr. Hansen doing studies on the Mogwai and Billy hanging out in his room. He draws blood from the Mogwai. And he does not like it. No, because he's got him in a little cage. Unlike Gizmo, who is being treated like a pet, this one's being treated like an experiment. In the scenes where Gizmo is being treated as a pet, you can tell that Billy clearly favors Gizmo over the other ones because Gizmo gets to hang out in his bed, look at comics, and the rest are in a box on the floor. Gizmo is also watching this racing movie, which comes into play later when he jumps on that little toy car. But it's midnight. We later find out that Mogwai have cut the wire. Billy looks at the clock. It's one of those old analog clocks stuck at like 1130. He's like, well, I guess it's not midnight. So he goes downstairs and gets 
get some chicken. We get this really gross zoomed in view of the Mogwai eating this. I thought it was raw chicken. If I just grabbed a plate of chicken and fed it to the family pet, I think my mom would have killed me. When earlier they're like, hey, you know, rules. I'd be like, what do we feed them? Family food. Yes. Again, the clock is stuck on 1130. But at the same time that this is happening, Professor Anson is at school, is eating a sandwich, still running tests on the Mogwai he's got in the cage, sees the time and is like, all right, it's time to pack up. He lives his half-eaten sandwich right in front of the Mogwai, who reaches over and gobbles it down. Who does this? Who leaves their half-eaten food at work, like on your desk? Have you? No, my half-eaten food on my desk. Overnight, no. I've left chips there, but (laughs) this professor should have also asked, what do I feed it? Because what has he been doing this whole time? Has he been feeding it while it's in the cage? Again, I don't think Billy explained the rules here. He literally just showed him what happens when the Mogwai gets wet. Yeah. The next morning they wake up, there are these xenomorph facehugger alien pods webbed up all around the room, which is gross. Billy's mom comes upstairs and is like, what the heck is this? Did you feed them after midnight? He's like, no, there's no way. I double checked. And he goes to check the clock and realizes that the wire for the clock has been cut. Pete and Billy have gone to visit the professor to ask like, hey, what the hell's going on? The professor starts to explain metamorphosis. He's like, that's possibly what's happening here. While this is happening, we still keep getting flashes at the dad. Again, scenes that I think didn't really matter. The dad's at some convention and he's presenting his inventions. I think later he's on a call with the mom and is like, I really underestimated how advanced some of the other people were going to be because he's just got that bathroom buddy and there's literal robots walking around. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if we are missing something. Maybe this is something to do with the actor being prominent or something and like you said, he needed more screen time. But filming this scene could not have been cheap. There's all these like fake gadgets around. It's Christmas Eve though and the mom's like, so you're not coming home? He's like, I don't know, I'll do my best. Every time we see the dad from here on out is him trying to get home. My favorite thing is he's acting like he's so busy and has to be away at work. Like he's actually making money. Who's paying this guy? They have a nice house. Billy's supporting them, working at the bank. Damn, that didn't even click in my head. Oh, you know what? That's why Gerald says that. It just blew my mind. When she said that earlier, I was thinking like, Billy's dad's dead. He's dead. He's freaking dead. Yeah. Oh my God. What the hell is wrong with me? Billy's struggling out here. His dad's dead. But his dad <laughs> Might also- as well be because he's just never there. Yeah. Literally just shows up at the end of this movie and that's it. I mean, it's sweet in a way, but that puts a lot of family pressure on Billy. This Deagle shows back up at the bank and is oh. asking about where Barney is. Meanwhile, in the background, the eggs are hatching. Dun, okay. dun, dun. Really cool effect. The eggs just open up. Even when the Mogwai are gone, there's still that like green glowing light yeah. in the eggs. It's kind of cool. Very nasty. I want my own. Along with Billy's mogwai hatching, he gets a call from Hanson that the mogwai that has been kept in the school lab has also hatched. It has started to run around the classroom and Hanson is trying to coax it out from under a desk. Opens up a Snickers bar and is like, hey, you ain't yourself when you're hungry. Really? (laughs) He's the first one to die. His arm is taken. Not taken visibly, but he's in pain. And that's the last we see of Hanson alive. When Billy finally arrives, he sees the body of Mr. Hanson appears to be under the desk. This is where the tone of the movie completely shifts from a potentially Christmas movie to creature feature. Billy, seeing that Hanson is dead, reaches for the phone and that's when the gremlin reaches over and slashes him. The gremlin eats through a vent and leaves. Billy quickly goes to the nurse's office, opens a cabinet, and the gremlin is there. This is the first time we've seen the full form of a gremlin. Starts throwing shit at Billy. The gremlin continues to eat through vents. Billy patches himself up. While this is happening, Gizmo is at home with the gremlins who have now hatched. They are terrorizing him. 
him. He's so afraid it feels so bad for him, but they're throwing darts at him. They keep saying Kaka Gizmo. They throw him down the laundry chute. The mom, having heard that the noise upstairs, sees that there's smoke coming down from the second floor and sees that all the eggs are hatched. While Billy's mom's getting freaked out and hearing weird noises, she's making the weirdest gingerbread men I've ever seen. <laughs> With hair and shit? Like yellow <laughs> gingerbread men. <laughs> well, I think that was hair, wasn't it? Maybe she's making mom, dad, and son. Or None of them are blonde. <laughs> Billy calls, trying to warn her, but gremlins outside cut the cord. These gremlins know a lot about technology. The gremlins put a record on the record player and you hear Christmas music playing. So the mom is like suspicious. She picks up a knife from the kitchen. Something's thrown at her. Goes into the kitchen and sees that a gremlin is eating the cookies. Turns around and also sees that one of them is like sticking their face in the food processor. I think it's one of the father's inventions, but it's meant to be a blender. She just switches it on and it looks like the thing gets sucked up in there and chopped up. While one of them is throwing plates at her. She's pretty savage. She jumps at him with the knife. And then she Pam sprays another one and throws it in the microwave. She legit cooks him. Fun fact about these gremlins. They spent a lot of the budget on the puppets and the animatronics. It was so expensive that every night of filming, security would go to their cars and check that they didn't take anything. Makes sense. She hears more noise in the living room. It looks like one of the gremlins had turned on like some toy robot. Behind her, the tree is moving and one of the gremlins is in there. Basically attacks her with the entire tree and jumps on top of her. Billy shows up right at that moment, grabs that sword that was on the wall from earlier, and just punts the gremlin's head into the fire, which burns and oozes in the fireplace. Meanwhile, Stripe is in the window, and it seems like he cries because he blows his nose. I didn't catch that. They keep getting away because Stripe keeps escaping in the nick of time and trying to multiply himself. Otherwise, they would have pretty much contained what's going on here. Maybe this was their compromise for beheading the mom, because he does behead this gremlin. Is it less gruesome that a gremlin gets beheaded versus the mom? Yes but it's also pretty yeah. funny. Kid-friendly? No, I guess not. <laughs> Billy decides to leave his mom at the neighbor's. I thought it was funny that these neighbors were putting up their Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Billy goes back to the house and he finds Gizmo in the pile of clothes. They go to this local YMCA. Stripe's not an idiot. He jumps directly into the pool. The entire place starts to glow green and bubble up, so Billy and Gizmo run out. It's a pretty cool-looking effect. I like this, yeah. Billy goes to tell the cops. I just like how they're blatantly pouring bottles of alcohol into their cup and talking to a civilian yeah. who needs their assistance. From the darkness and the distance of the town, the gremlins all... Is this claymation? I was wondering that. Does look like a million puppets. It had to be, right? How would they achieve this otherwise? They're moving the very like... Yeah. You know, like the stop motion stuff. Yeah, all the gremlins come out from the dark. They start to wreak havoc on the town. You see that Murray, the neighbor, is like, I'm going to go check the antenna. So. How annoying were antennas? Oh my god. You're just trying to relax, unwind, and your freaking TV isn't working. That's why you have kids. You send them outside to go fix your antenna. <laughs> go on the roof. Yeah. The gremlins drive his tractor into the house, and it's implied that the couple is killed. They run them over with the tractor. Yeah, it definitely looks like they get bulldozed over, but apparently not. There's another man who goes to put mail in the box at midnight, 1 a.m. On Christmas uh, Eve. Yeah. <laughs> the mailbox is like spitting the mail out. Another man comes up and is like, no, it can't be. And he goes to try to put it back in, and his arm gets pulled. Billy brings Gizmo to the cops and they're like, oh, Gizmo's so cute. So cute. I'm so drunk. But they still don't believe him. You're literally looking at the little creature, dude. The cops get a call. Billy warns them. Stripe goes to the Deagle house. She hears carolers outside and is like, oh man, the carolers, I hate it so much. She goes out there with a thing of water. Was she going to throw water at them? Yep. Oh, what an Which only would have been worse for her. <laughs> yeah. The gremlins are outside and they're singing with their little earmuffs. It's cute. <laughs> they're all dressed in like mittens and jackets. Because you know, you got to stay warm. 
when you're a little creature. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie because Mrs. Deagle completely freaks out. I don't know why this is a thing in other horror movies. I think it was in like Annabelle creation where someone has one of those chairs that takes them up and down the stairs. I don't know why this trope happened. Like I get it. It can be effectively creepy because they're heading down and they're seeing something terrifying and they can't stop. But Mrs. Deagle uses it to get away from them, which just does not seem effective. So I was about to write down. I don't know why people do this until she was freaking launched. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that would get you away from them really quickly. But she is completely launched out the window. I don't think a little old lady with a weak heart would have survived this. No, but the weak heart thing is just her piece of shit way of being like, oh, I can't handle it. But she's still a bitch. But you're still older and a fall from like the fucking third floor of your house when you live in like a mansion would definitely kill you. The cops are driving by and see her launch. They see her body and her legs are just Splayed out. Splayed out with the chair. A gremlin is under their car and cuts the brake line. Because again, they're full on electricians. They're smarter than you think. Yeah. A man dressed as Santa comes out of his house and is being attacked by a gremlin in front of them. They start freaking out, watching this man get attacked. And instead of getting out to help him, to as help the anybody, cops that they are, they just floor it. They're freaking out. The one guy's like, it's Christmas Eve. What the hell has happened with this town? You see a car is about to hit them. They can't stop. They crash into the car. The gremlin's able to watch the flash from the explosion, brings a little bit of question to do they actually get hurt with light or not true but then also these cops are definitely dead oh yeah definitely they're not alive billy and gizmo get in their car and they start driving to town on the radio there's a reference to orson wells when war of the worlds was read out loud as a story on radio stations people heard this didn't know that it was a play and genuinely thought that the world was being taken over by aliens because people are calling into the radio station to say like hey there's people in our house things are getting destroyed there's these little green men there's monsters the radio station guy's like can you stop prank calling this is ridiculous you're getting two orson wells on me i believe it's pete who calls them oh is it pete the, the little kid, kid yeah. oh we don't see him again ever no we don't he's one of the quarries yeah he is lost boys kid everything kid in yeah. the 80s next thing we get is kate dealing with the gremlins at the bar we get a lot of flashes of different kinds of gremlins it's so funny reminds me a little bit of the cantina scene in star wars it's just got that similar vibe of like you're walking into something that doesn't make sense or isn't familiar all the characters have in their a bar. Own personality and, yeah yeah there's one with like a ball section <laughs> <laughs> there's so much going on. Kate is slinging beer like she is throwing it and pouring it like crazy. She's kind of stuck there serving these creatures. They're threatening her, right? It, right. She's probably doesn't know what these are and is just trying to stay alive. But then you mentioned something about beer. Yeah, they're all drinking steins full of beer and I'm like, isn't water the biggest piece of beer? And it is. I looked it up. Not that they can't drink it, but they continue to multiply endlessly. This goes back to your theory that if this really happened, we'd be fucked. Does this just mean they can't have any form of liquid? Is milk water based? <laughs> oh, is milk. Juice Water-based? Juice? All juice has water in it, right? I don't fucking know. Science. (laughs) We're not as smart as gremlins, okay? We don't know. (laughs) We just don't know the science in this world because beer is definitely water and they're not multiplying. We do get a bunch of flashes of different kinds. There's like an old school flasher, the guy with the coat, and he opens up and he's like, eh, to Kate because he's naked, but... No genitals. No. (laughs) So they're all naked. (laughs) They're all walking around naked. Is that a joke that happens in film now? The whole like flasher dude? I feel like that was so common in TV before. I remember watching Sao de Gigante and it was literally the joke on one of those skits. It's a joke in uh, Hercules. Yeah. Do we still see that? Oh, sure, absolutely like not. Sexual, sexual harassment. harassment's not <laughs> funny anymore. <laughs> no. Finally. Finally. Don't know why people thought it was funny in the first place. No. There's ones that are playing poker and there's one that has lipstick. It tells the other gremlin like, hey, he's cheating. And he pulls a gun out and shoots the other guy. I like how these gremlins learn how to use a gun immediately. It's um, a small town. Yeah, yeah. Small town America. There is a reference to Flashdance. Yes. The one that has like the little. Like warmers. Yes. There's one that 
keeps trying to like light cigarettes. There's a bunch that already have cigarettes lit. Kate realizes that when she turns a match on to light the cigarette of one that's at the bar, he was backing away and because the out. match is too bright. But they already have lit cigarettes. Do they? I thought they just had them in their mouth and she was trying to light them for them. That one didn't have lit cigarettes, but there were others that already had lit cigarettes on them. And again, like the explosion earlier didn't kill that one gremlin watching. So how is this little match freaking this gremlin out? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because they're in a room flooded with bar lights. Those red signs. Yeah. Yeah. She realizes, though, that this little match is creeping the gremlin out, thinks fast, grabs a camera and starts to flash it in the bar. All the gremlins are freaking out. She gets to make her way out but there's like a a mugger because you know you can't tell the identity of this gremlin they need to keep it hush (laughs) this is when billy crashes into the bar to save kate it's funny that this is when billy's car decides no more he also has the tiniest little bug i've ever seen i think this is the first time that billy calls them gremlins after having heard murray call them that in the beginning they decide to make a run for it and run into the bank which is the nearest building there and this is when kate chooses to unveil her trauma at like the most inconvenient convenient time. She does say this is just one more reason to hate Christmas. And he's like, what do you mean? And this is when she reveals that her father died on Christmas Eve because he was trying to surprise her dressed as Santa coming down the chimney. It is really fucked up. They could have honestly left it at he fell off the roof and died, broke his neck. They went hard on this story. She is so traumatized. At first, they kind of think that the father has run away. He's just been missing for quite a few days and they lived through a very stressful time period until one day Kate decides to light a fire in their chimney because the house is getting cold and she discovers that there is a horrifying smell coming from the chimney. They call the fire department thinking that they're going to pull out a dead raccoon, a dead cat maybe, but no, they discover the body of her father trapped in the chimney. And who thought this story was funny? Oh my god, I know. A little girl literally smelled her cooking dad. That's That's not funny. But they're like, he broke his neck on the way down and died instantly. How did they barely find out he was dead? Because we talked about this. It's like the smell is definitely horrid. I mean, she makes it sound like it was a couple days after, but the cold of the house probably could have preserved his body. That's true. And that's where we're going to end the episode on that super yeah. dark note. <laughs> Barney is with Randall and they are trying to make their way back into town after no one has picked up the phone at home. Billy and Kay leave the bank and see just how much chaos the gremlins have caused in town. It's actually eerily quiet because the sun is about to rise. So they've figured that they're probably somewhere altogether hiding. And they think, oh, what place would be dark enough for all of them to hide? And they look over at the movie theater yeah. that is playing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Good idea. How did this movie get the right to that? Because that can't be cheap. I don't know. Maybe it's like when you do reviews and you can play clips as long as you're talking over it. I am sure Disney would have sued their asses. Because they use a song as well. I don't know. The gremlins are singing along with it. I don't know what the copyright rules were. PG-13 didn't even exist yet. So Uh, That's true. Maybe the rules were barely getting defined. They check the theater. Is it Stripe that's eating the popcorn? He's the only one that's alone outside. The inside of this theater looks like a midnight screening, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, because they're just throwing food everywhere and going crazy. Billy and Kate have decided that they are going to blow up the theater. Not knowing that Stripe has left in search of more snacks because he noticed that the department store across the street had candy in the window. Yeah. They open the gas in the boiler room, light a flame, and they run. When they're running, the film kind of hicks up and they see their shadow behind the screen. The gremlins run. And I think this effect is pretty cool because you could see on the opposite end, the shadows of the gremlins approaching the screen as they rip through it. They run out the back door. Kate holds the door as Billy puts a wood plank 
up and locks them in. The explosion happens almost immediately as they run away in old school action movie fashion. Hiding behind a car. Kate notices that Stripe across the street was staring at the explosion, holding a pile of candy in his hand. They run into the department store. And this is pretty much the final showdown between Stripe, Gizmo, and Billy. Stripe starts to play tricks on Billy, uses a broadcasting system to put his face on all the TVs as Billy walks around with a bat. Kate is in charge of Gizmo and also looks for a way to turn on the lights because the store is dark. Gizmo starts to walk around the store and finds a toy car. He puts himself in the same situation as like the movie, puts a little helmet on and starts to drive this car all around the store. He found a Barbie car. Yeah. So cute. Billy gets a saw blade thrown directly at him and notices where Stripe is. This battle happens a little... All over the place. Stripe shoots Billy with a crossbow. And again, what's with these department stores just having straight weapons everywhere? (laughs) Stripe pulls out a chainsaw, goes and attacks Billy. Billy uses this wooden bat to stop the chainsaw, which is I think he would have cut through it immediately, wouldn't it? I thought maybe it was a metal bat, but after the lights are turned on, the bat does have damage on it, like it's wood. So That is a strong bat then. When Kate finally did turn on the lights, this fountain in the background also turned on. After Stripe gets dragged off by the chainsaw, he hits a wall and is like dizzy, but he sees that the fountain's turned on, turns to the right and sees that there's a gun. He grabs the gun and then goes to the fountain. Billy and Kate see him, but he's shooting at them. Stripe puts his finger in the fountain and starts to make the water glow because he's about to multiply. In that moment, Gizmo approaches with his car, gets launched by a shovel that happens to be perfectly placed for him to use it as a ramp. Gets thrown over Stripe. Stripe just stares at Gizmo as he flies past. As Gizmo kind of shakes it off, the car explodes (laughs) like it's made of gas. Obviously it has gas in it. Gizmo notices that there's light peeking through the blinds. He decides to jump up and pull them down. He gets launched. He does. He hits the ceiling. I feel so bad for him. Gizmo is so cute. He's just like bumbling around and ends up saving the day. Originally, the plan was for Billy to save the day, but because they thought it'd be more meaningful to the audience to see Gizmo save the day, they edited it so that Billy wasn't even involved. I don't feel like it would have taken away from Gizmo's character. Like, it would have made sense. They're buddies and they're both fighting this. I don't know. I mean, it's cuter for Gizmo to save the it day. It is cuter. That's that's yeah. all it is. It's just cuter <laughs> and he knew it. As the blinds fly open and light pours in, Stripe turns into the nastiest goo you've ever seen. I love this effect so much. He is slowly deteriorating and melting like the Wicked Witch of the West. He really is. As everyone is kind of relieved and getting ready to just make sure that he's gone, we get one final jump scare of what you think is Stripe having survived. But no, it's his skeleton popping out of the goo. This practical effect is really cool. It makes me wonder like how layered this animatronic had to have been to have had like the skin melt off and then have like an underlying skeleton that also melts and then sort of looks like it deflates when it's on the ground. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a pretty great effect. As everyone leaves the department store, we kind of get this news narration going on at the same time, saying that everyone is home and safe and that they blame the events on mass hysteria. The Christmas Eve riots in this town. Everyone in town just suddenly decided to go crazy. Yeah. I was originally going to say that maybe it's because they're like, there's no proof that the gremlins ever actually existed, but there is. There's literally an exploded theater with corpses everywhere. This fountain in this department store has a melted gremlin on the ground. There's proof. There is, because then the news 
does say that there's little green men. But the news anchor himself says like, it jokingly. Lots. Yeah. As they're watching this, the man from the store in the beginning knocks on the door. He gets let in and notices that Gizmo's watching TV and he's like, ugh, you taught him how to watch TV. Also, this is a very racist portrayal of a character because this character only speaks in like proverbs and advice. They didn't portray the kid as like this. No. I don't know if it's intentional or it's just this is how white people see Asians. I mean, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. But the shop owner has arrived and is lecturing this family on one, this father stealing the mogwai, basically. He's like, it's the shop owner who I bought the mogwai from. And he's like, hmm, bought. Interesting word. Yeah. He wants to take his mo because he's like, just like everything else that you guys do, you don't understand nature. You aren't ready. And it's this weird lesson to throw lesson. in there at the end. <laughs> yeah. Kind of not fitting for the vibe of the rest of the film. No, I don't know. It's weird because he says that to the family, but then later on he says to Billy, maybe one day you, Billy, will be ready and responsible for a mogwai. Nature's gift. Yes. As he's about to leave with Gizmo, Gizmo stops him and says he wants to say something to Billy. <laughs> you pointed out this scene being funny because Billy's like, the mogwai talks? And you're <laughs> like, he's been speaking English the entire movie. <laughs> the Grimmins literally were talking shit the entire time. Yeah. The shop owner says, they always talk. You just have to be willing to listen. And you're like, no shit. <laughs> Gizmo says bye to Billy. That's what he wants to say to him. Right before the shop owner leaves, the dad does another one of his useless piece of shit pitches. Sale pitches. And the guy's like, no, 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 don't don't worry about it. I don't, I don't need it, bro. I don't need the pitch. The guy at the gas station that you tried to sell it to already. I don't want to hear it. Just give it to me. Just shut up. But yeah. then he calls it like the next big thing in technology. So I don't know if he's messing with him or not. Yeah. As they leave, the man is walking out into a very moonlit night. The dad continues to narrate and say, if you ever find that your house is making noises at night, things aren't working, things just aren't making sense. Turn on the lights. You might just have a gremlin in your house. Or a duende. Or a duende. Because that's what this sounds like a little bit. It does. I think that's what gremlins are, isn't it? I mean... Oh, no. Duendes are... Little goblins. Duendes are goblins, yes. Yeah. But what's the difference? These are little creatures. Oh, that's a whole other episode. We should do a mini-sode on gremlins versus goblins. And duendes. Elf on the shelf. I hate elf on the shelf so much. Yeah. They're so creepy to me. I'm sorry, future kids. We're not doing that shit. I've never had one. I like... I've only seen them become popular now that social media exists and people post the clever things that they come up with. I didn't know that they were like a creepy thing either until you show You them. have to move them every day and make the kids think that the elves keeping an eye on them. No, I'm not going to teach my kid that it's okay that someone stalk them. Just like the Jesse and Woody that I have over here that every once in a while I take a look and they are in different positions. We'll blame it on Elvira. I mean, I do think she climbs up there, but even though Randall is a character that I don't see much value in him being in this movie, he does have a really good Christmas narration voice. Someone out there probably likes these scenes. I don't know. Because the actor is well known. The storyline could have worked if Billy's dad was dead and he was supporting the family and his mom was the one that got him a gift. Literally his main contributing factor to this movie is that he's the one that gets Billy the Mogwai. And then he's just an absentee dad for the rest of the film. If the problem was like, well, how do we get the Mogwai to Billy? You could have made the mom the inventor. Who knows? That's not the point of this. What did you think of it? I like it. It is not my favorite horror movie. I would call this a creature feature, not a horror movie exactly. I don't know. It's We're creature split. feature, not horror. We're splitting hairs here, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's a subgenre of horror. It's it's not scary. It's campy for sure. I would give it a seven and that's kind of high. I don't want to give it such a low score because I get it. I get why this movie's beloved. It's nostalgic and it is fun, but I just think 
that there is a lot going on here that could have been taken out. So I'm going to give it a 6.75. <laughs> I really like this movie as a Christmas movie. The Gremlins are fun. Gizmo's so cute. I wish I could have an actual Gizmo. And I think I would make more, but I would contain it. From a horror perspective, though, I do think that gorier, darker version would have been more fun. I will give it a 6 as a horror. As a horror, but as just a Christmas movie, I'd, I'd give, give it, it a, a 7. seven. And a half, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing, because we're trying to view it from a horror perspective, and it's not that scary or gruesome. It's kind of strangely still feel good after all the dead gremlins. So what scared Loki about this film? I don't know. Nothing, because he is also a gremlin, and he knew what to expect. Yeah, he was like, that's exactly how I would be if I could talk. I would say, Gaka Eric, Gaka Vivi. Yeah, probably. Gaka Elvira. I think he actually likes Elvira. She just doesn't play with him. I really don't know their relationship. We're still figuring it out here. Yeah, she walked into his crate the other day and just hung out. They, like, hate each other but love each other? I don't know. They kind of do, because they search for each other when they don't see the other one, but then run away. Yeah. But then I think they're playing. I don't know. Do you want to tell us about it, Loki? Sounds good. We'll post a picture of just how much you used to look like a gremlin. Have we ever fed him after midnight? No. Maybe we should wet him and see if he multiplies. I don't need more Lokis. We do refer to him as a gremlin all we the time. We do. So. <laughs> when we got him, there's quite a few pictures of when he was like still a puppy. But he straight up looks like a gremlin. He looks like Stripe. We need more gremlins. Listen, we have found out that people in our condo definitely have more than one dog, even though we're told we can't. So I told Eric, we're just going to do it. We're just going to sneak another dog in here. Let's do it. Fuck it. I told you that if we can get to 3,000 downloads by the end of the year, I'll do it. You hear that, listener? If we can get to 3,000 downloads by the end of the year, dog. we will have another dog. Yeah. I want that to happen, but I just don't know if it will. Make this our Christmas, Christmas gift, yeah. <laughs> but is that pretty much it for us here? I think so. Try their Mogway blood. It's pretty good. I really liked it. Before we end the show, I wanted to just say that we got our first patron. Woo! Yeah, when you become a patron, we shout you out on the next episode. So this month we have Francisco. <laughs> Thanks, Francisco, for being our first patron ever. It'll always hold a place in our hearts. But yeah, if you ever want to do that and get a shout out on the show, go support the show on the Patreon. And if you want a specific type of shout out or want us to say something in particular, send us an email. Yeah. But as always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at Shaken Not Scared pod at gmail.com support the show on patreon like francisco you can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month listen wherever you get your podcast give us a follow check out our drink videos give us a like rate review all that good stuff okay thanks bye bye